0: for us in this work. There's a lot of work to be done. There is tons and tons and tons of work to be done. Amen. Tons of work to be done. We need more help. Amen. i got to call in to talk to you. See, we need an electronic person just to do all this right here to where I don't even have to worry about it. And I don't want it to be you, Robert, either. Because you need to be listening to these sermons and and my teachings and worshipping and stuff. But we need help. We need more people to get involved. That is, yeah, I guess that is So many people, they just want to be couch potato Christians. They don't even want to come to services, but yet they still think they're going to heaven. How how can they think they're going to heaven when they don't even worship God on the commanded day? They don't even attend as commanded. How do they think they're going to heaven? That's Hogwarts. We to have to figure out how to keep this up here. That weight in there. Me, Fan is getting all the electronic stuff set up. Almost done setting up all the electronics. Okay. Let you go run. Do the lights, the door, the window, everything you can think of to do. Got a new phone yesterday because my old phone, nothing was wrong with the phone itself, but I didn't have enough data on that particular phone plan. And I'm going to need more and more and more data in these coming weeks and months, amen, with the events that's going to be occurring without doubt. I'm going to have to keep up with stuff, watch more videos and everything, and we're going to have to work on this to get these wires up on that side of the platform as well. So I don't be rolling over top of the wires. We'll figure this out. We'll work on it. But definitely, I've got the record button. Praise the Lord. Woo! That's that's half of the duty right there. <laughs> Just get the record button on there. Praise the Lord. I'm ahead of myself just getting that done this week. Amen. Brother Meekness. Feeling better. Praise the Lord. Because he said he was still in pain. But that will go away. Amen. That pain will go away. In Jesus' name. Amen. Speak it forth right now. The pain and meekness of his body leave. We command that pain to leave. In the name of Jesus. Amen. We are people of faith. Amen. We are people of power. We are not powerless. Amen. God has given us power and authority over scorpions, over serpents, and over every power of the enemy. We should not be running from the enemy. But marching toward the enemy with power, with boldness, with bravery. With power and authority casting out the enemy. Amen. We are a army. Amen. We are the army of the Lord. Remember little tiny David. He may have been a good looking dude, the Bible says. (laughs) But he was small and young. Praise the Lord. And that he did not let that interfere. He didn't look at his body and say, I'm too short, too small, too weak. But he looked at that great old big giant, fat and muscular, angry beast of a giant, dirty, filthy giant, who is blaspheming the name of the Lord Jesus. David said, I'm not going to take this. I'm not going to allow this. I know my God, and I know the power of my God, and my God is faithful, and my God has my back. And I may be little, I may be small, I may be only one man, but I know my God. And I'm not going to let this beast defile the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. He took action. He did whatever it took to defeat the enemy and to defend the name of the Lord. Amen. Praise Jesus. God is good. He is good to us. Let us be good to Him. Let us defend His name, His honor, His law. Let us defend the name of the Lord. Amen. Praise Jesus. Let us go in prayer. Lord Heavenly Father, praise Your holy name. Thank You, Father, for Your inspiration, for Your words, for Your mind. Praise your holy name. Thank you, Father, for this spiritual food that we are about to receive. We pray, Lord, that it would nourish our hearts and our minds and our lives. That we would become more and more fit for you. Worthy of the special calling that you called us with. Worthy of your love. That this food, spiritual, would penetrate deep into the heart and destroy every dark thing in us and make us more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Please, Father, shine your light, your spirit, into our deepest, darkest areas of our minds, bodies, soul, psyche spiritual body, and flesh. And redeem us and deliver us from darkness. Transform us to your glorious light in Jesus Christ. Thy will be done in this service, in this work, in these people, in us, in me, in Jesus Christ. So be it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Who can say, Woo (laughs) Nobody's going to take that. All right, you can have a seat. Praise the Lord. Revelation 3 is where we're going to start today, Revelation chapter 3, praise the Lord Jesus Christ, Almighty Alpha and Omega, praise the Lord, we got the new newsletter up and going today, woo, praise the Lord, newsletter sent out today, don't be reading it during the sermon, pay attention to the sermon, you can read it after the sermon, amen, focus, Focus on the Word of God. Amen. As you turn to Revelation 3, today is the 18th day of the ninth month of God's created calendar. 18th day of the ninth month. Turn in your Bible to Revelation 3. Don't be skipping ahead. Revelation 3 verse 14 is where we'll start. Now last week, I think it was, that we were talking about these particular verses about the Laodicea, or sometime in the last couple of weeks. The Laodicea Church, a congregation 2,000 years ago, but also a congregation today, all of the congregation of God. This is a warning This is a wake-up call. This was a true congregation of a true pastor. It's not talking about Babylon. It's talking about his people, the called-out ones. Verse 14, to the pastor of the congregation of the called-out ones, people that were truly called by God, chosen by God. Amen. Amen. Write like this that the Amen, the faithful, the true witness is talking about Jesus according to the last chapter of this book of Revelation. The Amen, the faithful, the true witness is Jesus Christ. He is faithful, He is true, that is what He is. Amen. All men may be liars, but God is true. Amen. And it says here that Jesus, the faithful one, the true one, says this. And he is the chief ruler. He is God. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He is the chief ruler of the creation of the Theos. And he says this in verse 15. I know. God knows. God knows. He says, I know your works, your deeds, your actions, what you do. That you're neither cold nor hot. I desire, I won't, that you were cold or hot. Be either for, for him, be good for God, or be for the devil. Be useful to God. Don't be useless to God. Amen. And that is in relationship to our works, what we're doing. That's in relationship to what we are doing. So we have to examine ourselves right there. What are we doing? Are we couch potato Christians? Many times I call this ministry a work. Because that's what it is. It is a work. This is the work of God on this earth right now. Amen. So many times I've said over and over, That every person that listens to these sermons, you should not be just only listening to the sermon, but rather also applying these things into your mind, into your heart, into your action. Amen. The Bible says don't just be hearers of the Word of God, but doers, the book of James says. Okay? Be a doer, a worker of the kingdom. That means printing the flyers and the articles from the website. The flyers are those one and two page, very concise, very condensed topic pages that's on that one link of gospeltracks.html. They're just tracks, one page Gospel tracts, that is what the flyers are. A flyer is something that you put on somebody's car window or on the side of the drink machine. It's only one page, two pages. Print those out as well as the articles. The articles are sometimes very long, multiple pages, 20, 30 pages sometimes, even more than that sometimes. The articles... Are not small and condensed, but they are very long and very detailed, given many more scriptures, much more proof. So print out the articles and print out the flyers, the gospel tracts. Now the articles, because they're so long and thick, it is best to give those to people that you can witness with long term. And people that you actually know. People that you actually can follow up with. Give those to your family, your friends, and people like that. People that come into your house. Give them the articles. And the flyers as well. But the flyers, the gospel tracts, which are only one and two pages, very small and condensed and concise, put those on the side of the drink machine and leave them in the shopping cart, and leave them uh, in the laundromats and inside the newspapers and magazines that you see laying around, and different places like that in the public, in places that you can't really follow up with the people. Just leaving a seed on the side of the highway, as the Bible says. Leaving a seed all over the place. Those seeds and that power of the seeds were everywhere. It says he scattered them all along the way. Everywhere as he went, the power of the, the, the sower, the one sowing the seed, one planting the seeds. Just put it everywhere. And many of them will not bear fruit. I don't know how many different locations I haven't counted them. Is there three or four? different types of locations that it names. And all of them, it did not stay there. It wiltered, it fell away, whatever. But only one type of location did on the good soil that the, the seed flourished and, and bare fruit and it stayed and it prospered. But the one that sowed the seed Didn't plant just only on the good ground. But he planted everywhere as he went. And that's what we have to do. Planting everywhere as we go. Every time you go to the store. Working for the Lord. Because this is not a part-time job. And there's no such thing as retirement. Amen. But we need to be working all the time for the Lord. When we're talking and emailing. When we're talking on the phone, when we send emails, and when we pay for stuff at the store with the Bible verses on our paper money, writing, which is what I want you to do, Robert, today, take my money and write on it. He's good at that. Brother Robert's very, very, very good about writing. I'm going to lay my money right here to help you remember to right on my money, that'd be a big help to me. Because nobody's going to throw money away. Amen. Amen? They might throw away the articles and the flyers, but they won't throw away money. They might pay for something with the money, and then that gospel tract, which is the money itself, will go to another person, and then another person, then another person. And everybody will be able to see this Bible verse. So write Bible verses on your money. Such as, you can write the words Christmas, Jeremiah 10. Just that, all that. And Assad is not God. Assad is not God. 2 Thessalonians 2. S- small, cadence phrases like that. So that the people can be like, huh, wonder what this means. Assad is not God. 2 Thessalonians 2. I wonder what that means. And then they would go to 2 Thessalonians 2 and look it up and read it with their own eyes to see what it says. And they still might not understand, but once it happens, they will remember and they will understand. Amen. And it will be fruitful. And that seed will grow, even if they don't accept right now, even if, they, even if they don't believe right now, even if they don't even look up the Bible verse right now. Once they come to eventually see the strong delusion and see Assad as the Antichrist, they're going to remember Assad is not God was written on the money. And that will increase their faith. That will increase their faith and their understanding that God knew it was going to happen beforehand and that God put a seed in their presence, in their path beforehand. That's going to increase their faith. So you may not, you may not see your faith grow for years, but eventually it will come back around. And I have experienced that in my own life. You may not realize why, what effect you had on somebody until years later. To plant the seeds and be a worker and a doer. So here he says, I know your works and I would rather for you to be hot or cold, but be working for somebody, good or bad. Not lukewarm, as I explained last week, lukewarm water is stagnant. It doesn't move. It can grow bacteria. It doesn't taste good for most people. So God would rather, for it be hot as coffee, and I bought a new coffee percolator. Percolator is a, a kind of an old-fashioned coffee pot that they used when I was a kid. I ain't seen one in many years and got one because it's all metal instead of plastic. And We got to be watching about all this plastic that is toxic to our bodies. So I thought I'd get an all stainless steel coffee percolator. Man, that hot water on that coffee was hot. I had to let it sit and cool down a little bit. That was much hotter than what you get in a plastic coffee maker. Much hotter. Amen. Amen. God would rather for us to be hot as hell. Amen. Hot on fire, man. Hot. Not just hot, but hot! (laughs) Yeah. Yeah! Woo! Come on now. Get geared up. Amen. We are an army. Act like it. Amen. And not cold. Do not be cold. And don't be lukewarm. Jesus says, I'm going to throw you up. I'm going to throw you up out of my mouth. Vomit you out of my mouth. Verse 17, because you say, I'm okay, I'm rich, I'm okay, and have, I have the wealth, I know what I'm doing, and I don't have need of nothing, and you do not know that you're welch it, you're miserable, you're poor, you're blind, you're spiritually naked. I advise you, I counsel you to buy, obtain from me gold which is a precious stone, a metal from the earth. I want you to obtain this from a gold. He's not talking about real gold, but spiritual gold. Refined by fire. I want you to get, Jesus says in different words, I want you to get purification by trial and suffering. And that purification through that trial and suffering will be very precious, very valuable, more valuable than real gold. Amen. I want you to be purified. I want you to obtain something spiritually of a higher and deeper level that comes only through the trials and the sufferings. As I said that I had heard in a movie a few weeks ago, turn your mess into a message and turn your test into a testimony. If we remember that our trials and sufferings are for a reason of purification, testing, trial, testing, if we remember that, then we can more easily conquer our trials and tribulations. The more you grow in the truth and the more you grow in Jesus Christ, the more you are going to suffer tribulation. The Bible promises tribulation. The Bible never promises that this is going to be an easy road. But it actually promises that it's going to get more difficult, more hard. We ain't seen nothing yet, as I've said over and over. Amen. We are promised great tribulation. He ain't going to take us out. We're not going to be raptured out like a fairy tale, like Walt Disney. But rather, we're going to have to face reality. So we're about to pull up our loins. Okay, whatever a loin is, you're about to pull it up. You're about to pull up your diapers, pull up panties and, and 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 get fit and get ready for this race. Amen. God is good. Amen. And it says here, I want you to obtain this goad we find by fire so that you may become rich, meaning strong in the truth. Amen. And spiritually white garments. Amen. All of this we read last week. So I bring this back up again this week. In the subject today of willingness to keep growing. To keep growing and keep growing in the knowledge. The knowledge of truth. So I want you to write that on the top of your uh, Robert and Brittany because I forgot to use the word knowledge in the paper printout notes. But it is in the emails that I already sent. If you signed up for the newsletter... This sermon today is in today's newsletter, and I did put the word knowledge in there, but on the printouts here locally, I forgot to put the word knowledge in the title. But it's willingness to keep growing in the knowledge of the truth, and knowledge is very important. A lot of people in Babylon and the true seekers of truth that are truly being called out of the world, the true called out ones, They are lukewarm in knowledge. And they are not willing to keep growing in the truth because they think they're already spiritually rich. They think, many people think, that they've already come to a certain level of the truth that it becomes proudful for them. And I saw... um, That happened with the transition between the Philadelphia era, the sixth church, the previous church era, over into the Laodicea era. I saw and witnessed with my own eyes how that the people, when they were in the Philadelphia era, when the church was more united in the worldwide Church of God, before God vomited The Philadelphia-era church, people out of his mouth, and the people became scattered. Because in the Philadelphia era, under the Apostle Herbert W. Armstrong, who was the Apostle of the church in that time, until he died in 86, the church was united and very well structured and very well organized. And you could have went to, and I did, go to huge, huge congregations. I was in a congregation of over 600 people who were all keeping the seventh day and the holy days and knew the truth against the rapture and against Christmas and Easter and against the Trinity and all that stuff and against Sunday and against the Catholic Church and against Babylon. And we had much, much, much truth, but we didn't have as much truth then as we do now because they became stagnant in growing in the truth. They They had so much truth they thought they had already obtained all the truth and they stopped growing in truth. And they didn't grow in any truth for years. And they never came out with for years that, oh, we understand something better now. and We was wrong about something that became stagnant and not growing in truth. I've said many, many times. That if you have not allowed God to change what you believe about something, any doctrine, if you've not changed your opinion or your belief or understanding about any doctrine in a year, then you're not growing enough. you stopped growing. Every year, every year, every year, every year, we are releasing new understandings, new revelations and corrections about what we used to believe and how it's actually... We need to grow in the truth about a certain topic. Every year we release at least one, sometimes two, three, four, five different things in a year. We've got to keep growing. We've got to keep getting more understanding of what the truth really is. Amen. But they stopped doing that. And after Mr. Armstrong died, it wasn't just his death, but rather it was the people's pride that... God said, I ain't going to have nothing to do with you anymore, and I'm going to scatter you. And now, the remnants of the worldwide church of God is now scattered into literally, literally hundreds, perhaps thousands, I'm sure thousands, of different denominations and groups, sects of people, including many of the Y names. Because they just got worse and worse. Once you turn to vomit, vomit is pretty nasty. Vomit stinks. Vomit is nasty. So once God spit these people out of their mouth, they became nasty whining people. Because God rejected them. If He vomits you, then God is rejecting you. And He rejected them because of their pride and stubbornness and not growing in the truth. And they became scattered as vomit does scatter all over the place. Just because we were saved doesn't mean we're going to go to heaven. We can lose our salvation and that's the perfect example. That's proof. The Laodicea church is proof against the once saved, always saved doctrine. Amen. We need to add that as a note, Robert. Robert. to this this section, that this is proof against the once-saved-always-saved doctrine. Now this should not cause us to get depressed and hopeless, knowing that we could lose our salvation, but rather it should provoke us to be more serious and more careful, to guard our hearts, as the Bible says. To guard our hearts, which means to guard our mind, our spirit, our soul, our salvation. Amen. Instead of saying, oh my God, God hates me. Or I'm unforgivable. Or it's too late. Or it's useless. Instead of talking that foolishness, we should have the attitude of, I don't want this to happen to me. And I would do whatever it takes. As I preached last week, we should have the attitude of, I'm going to do whatever it takes to not be like this people. And if He did already reject us, the Bible promises that if we will confess our sins, that He is faithful. He is the Amen. He is the true one. He loved us first. Amen. He died for us while we were still sinners. That some of us, as it says, that some of you were homosexuals and murderers and thieves and idolaters, Every one of us did worship the devil. Every one of us. Not just me. You did. Every one of us. When you were keeping the Sunday church thing, when you was doing the Christmas and the Easter and the Valentine's Day and all that crap, you were worshiping the devil. You didn't mean to. That wasn't your intent. And God knows that. But you still did it out of a mistake, out of ignorance and so forth and out of tradition and out of culture and so forth. God is forgiven. God is understanding. Let us understand that. Let us believe that He is the Amen, that He is the true and faithful One, the Holy One. And let it, all of this warning and this edification, this Word of God, cause us to seek Him more, not less, but to seek Him more because He is worthy, because He is wonderful. Because He is God. He is faithful. He is loving. He is merciful. Amen. These are meant to be for correction. The Bible says, Paul said, that all Scripture is for correction and reproof and doctrine. It's not to hurt us. It's not to oppress us. It's not to kill and destroy us. But to build us. Amen. This is for the purpose of building us up, as the Bible says, building up the church. Amen. So take it in that way. A lot of people take the truth as an offense. The truth should not be offensive to us. And such warnings, even the warnings of the lake of fire and the warnings of death and destruction and judgment, should not make us go into depression, but rather should make us edified that we want to be rescued from all that. We want to survive all that. We want to be found worthy and pleasing unto our Lord and do whatever it takes. Amen. Do whatever it takes to be found worthy and pleasing to our Lord, including the willingness to grow in the knowledge And not let that knowledge offend us, but but rather say, hey, I want the knowledge. I want the knowledge, and I'm willing to grow in the knowledge and understanding of what the truth is. Even if that truth, the knowledge of that truth, goes against the grain of what we have learned from our parents and grandparents and society and pastors. It may be difficult at times, and even more and more difficult at times, when it goes against the culture that we were grown up in, raised in. In American society, in Western society, many different cultures around the world, modern culture that is, saying that it has to be a certain way. and Then we learn the truth, and it's offensive to us at first. Because, hey, that can't be the truth. That can't be right. That can't be acceptable. Like the crystals and the chakas and a penigaphy and nudity and different things that modern Western culture says, No, you can't do this. Or the modern Western church says, No, you can't do this. And so the truth can be offensive and very difficult to accept when it goes against the grain of what we're taught traditionally. But if we love God, who loved us first, and if we want to make it in, if we want to be in paradise, if we want to be assured of our salvation, if we want joy, if we want peace, then we've got to be willing to accept anything that God gives us. Anything. If it's the truth, it's the truth. And if it's the truth, it's good as gold and better than gold. Amen. If it's the truth, we should want it and desire it. Amen. And not reject it. And be willing to fully, fully, fully embrace whatever the truth may be. Whatever it may be. We need to pray. Father, please help us to accept the truth. Whatever it may be. But many people, when they're studying the Bible, they're trying only to prove only one side of the story. And they won't even look at the other side of the debate, and how can you grow in the truth like that? you got to be willing to look at every side. Really test, really study to really get the truth. And that, that's how you get knowledge, is through study. You've got to be willing to study. you got to look at the Greek words. you got to look at the Paleo Hebrew words. You've got to have, take time to think about these things. And not just quickly breeze through. That you ain't gonna learn nothing just by quickly breezing through. You gotta read slow and carefully and think about what you're reading. Amen. So let's go over here to the book of prophets now, to Hosea. Hosea four. This is page 166 in the Prophets, Volume 4. Page 166. Isaiah, uh, not Isaiah, but Hosea. Hosea 4. Praise Jesus. Hosea, Chapter 4, Verses 6 and 7. Hosea 4, verse 6. My people are like as if they had no knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you. He doesn't say Babylon. He says, my people. My people. His own church, his own called out ones. Have rejected knowledge. That's is serious statement. You can be truly called and you can be His people. Actually have been saved, you can't be His people unless you're saved. This is a serious statement worthy of us examining ourselves. Are we still resisting something in the truth is there a particular topic that we are still yet not accepting the truth in you can't grow in truth unless you ask that question amen so when we learn about the the chakras and the the crystals and things like that and incense and different things that we've accepted over the last year every time we grew in one of these truths Areas of truth, we had to ask ourselves, What is the truth? What is the truth? What is the truth? What does the Bible really say about these things? And we had to examine our doctrine, our belief, our thinking, our attitudes. And not just the ones I mentioned, but as we said, many, many new understandings over the years. And I know for a fact that some people are still struggling with some of the truth. Some more than others. And we have to test ourselves. And God warns us. He speaks directly to us, not just to Babylon, but to us. Amen. I know that there's people that was on the newsletter. I don't know if they're on the the new newsletter or not. But I know there was people on the old newsletter for years that still didn't believe in keeping the seventh day. Even after receiving the newsletter for years and following the ministry for years, that was still not keeping the seventh day. That's ridiculous. The seventh day of the week is fundamental, foundational. One of the Ten Commandments. How can you get that wrong? Because they're still holding on to lawless Babylon. And not understanding something so simple, so easy. I mean, you can't get more easy than counting one to seven. Come on, a little child can count one to seven and look at the calendar and see what day it is and read the Ten Commandments and and where it says it's the seventh day, not the first day. You can't get more simple, more easy than that. Stubborn, rebellious, proudful, and definitely not hot for God because if you was hot for God, you could understand such simple, easy, basic, elementary stuff. Amen? Amen? So it's a serious warning to people that follow this ministry and think that they're saved. And this same person I'm talking about emailed me more than once telling me that I need to reexamine myself on this issue when the Bible is so clear on this. So clear on this. Amen. My people are like if they had no knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge. I will also reject you. That you shall not minister as priest to me. And and as you have forgotten the law. Of God. The commandments. The law of God. I will also reject your children. Even your children. Amen. Because. What we do affects the next generation, the people that we raise, the children we raise. If we raise them believing lies, they're going to believe lies. Amen. Another translation says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. That's just another way of saying the same thing. That if you don't have the knowledge, if you reject the knowledge, he rejects you. Well, he's going to destroy you. He's going to vomit you out of his mouth. Which is another way of saying it. Amen. Let's go over to Proverbs. In the book of Wisdom, volume 3. Proverbs 1. Now, we usually think of Proverbs as a book of wisdom, talking about wisdom more than anything else, all throughout Proverbs. Wisdom, 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 wisdom. And what is wisdom? Wisdom is understanding and knowledge. When you have wisdom, if you're a wise person, then you understand things deeply and you have knowledge of facts, the reality. You see things for what they really are. You see things deeper. You really have knowledge and understanding of things. Amen. Proverbs 1, verse 7. The fear of Jesus is the beginning of wisdom. If you want knowledge, if you want understanding, if you want wisdom, if you want to grow to be a a wise person, then the fear of the Lord, fear of Jesus, is the start of it. That's how you start it. That's how you gain it. Begin with this. It's the basic elementary starting point. Fearing the lake of fire, not wanting to go to the lake of fire, and showing reverence and respect to his power, to his authority, to his reverence. Having respect and honor unto God. That's so basic, so elementary that that's the starting point of just realizing that there is a God, who he is, what his name is, fearing him, fearing damnation and judgment. And that's good, that's not bad, as long as that does not oppress us, as long as it leads to salvation and joy and peace as the goal. Our goal of salvation, his goal of salvation, is to make us realize our miserable state, our sinful state, our faults and our sins, and then change it and turn it around. The word repent means turn around And change it and be transformed to be born again and to change from the sinful nature that we're born into, the firstborn of sinful nature, into a rebirth of holiness. Dying and being crucified to that old sinful person and being reborn as a holy saint of God. Amen. That's what this is about. So that fear of the Lord is not a bad fear. It's not a wrongful fear. A lot of atheists and mockers are like, how can we believe that God is love when he wants us to fear him? It's not a bad fear. It's not a horror movie. Come on, this is a different type of fear. This is a fear of that results with good fruit. It is fear. But it is a fear with good fruit. It's not a fear that comes from the dark side, but it's a fear that comes from the good side. God gave us natural good fear that results in survival. Good fear. Don't jump farther than what you can jump and and survive. Don't jump off a mountain cliff. Don't stand in front of a car. Look both ways before you cross the road. Don't touch a knife the wrong way. Good fear. That is naturally part of our instinct, part of our human nature. We are supposed to fear. We got to fear. We have to fear. We have to judge. We have to fear. We have to use wisdom. We have to use discernment. These are part of our God nature. This is part of us being gods. Is that we have wisdom that is naturally part of who we are, that we have common sense, that is part of who we are as spirit beings who were destined to take over the universe and rule the universe. Amen. So this is not a bad fear, but a good fear, to reverence the Lord with honor and respect and obey Him and serve Him, knowing that He's in control. Amen. And that's the start of wisdom and there is good understanding. It says here, read with me, that there is good understanding to all that practice it. That word practice means do, perform, work. To work this. Not just believe this, but to work this, to perform this, to put it into your actions. Not just to hear it and believe it, but to do something about it. Amen. That wisdom, those works, that knowledge. Once you have the knowledge, once you have the wisdom, once you have the understanding, you have to put it into works. And piety toward Jesus is the beginning of this discernment. But the ungodly will be set at naught wisdom and instruction. They will not accept the wisdom and instruction. They will set it aside, they will reject, set at not, change that to reject, set at not reject. They will reject wisdom and instruction. Then look down to verse twenty nine. Verse 29, for they hated wisdom and did not choose the word of Jesus. They did not choose the word of Jesus. It is a choice to serve God. and It is a choice to accept the truth, no matter what it might be. It's a choice to accept the truth. You either choose to accept it or not choose to accept it. People really do believe what they want to believe in this world but we can't choose. I said it before. We have well, I preached a whole sermon on it. We have no right to our opinion. If you didn't hear that sermon, look it up. We have no right to our opinion. We don't. The only thing we have a right to about something related to that is We have a choice to believe the truth or not believe the truth. To believe the truth or reject the truth. That is the choice. We don't have a right to our own opinion. We accept God's opinion. We accept God's truth or reject it. That's all. That's all. That's the bottom line. Amen. We choose to accept salvation or reject it knowledge wisdom the truth whatever god has for us salvation his blood salvation joy peace depression we choose these things we choose these things A person got upset with me years ago because i said this truth but i say it again because it's true that a saved person with the presence of God in them, the presence of the Holy Ghost in them, cannot, absolutely cannot, totally lose their mind and go into a mental hospital. And not even, even I'll say it even more gentle than that, cannot, will not, go into a mental hospital. Because or lose their sanity or even need to go to a mental hospital for any reason because God's presence will give your mind, your attitude, your your mentality, your emotions, your mentality, help and strength and joy and peace. There'll be ups and downs, there'll be moments of depression. Because that's life. That's reality of life. But God's presence in you, if you have God in you, He is going to give you the strength and the peace to get you through anything. It don't matter what it is. So how can you say that you are truly saved and have God's presence in you and go to a mental hospital? That's crazy. That doesn't make any sense. It's illogical. Because you wouldn't need that if you had God. Amen. So a person got upset. A person that used to listen to services. I don't know if they still listen to services secretly or not. But I know they did sign up for the newsletter. So they're still following the ministry in some degree. But they got upset that I said that. But it's the truth. The reason they got upset that I said that is because evidently, They think that that God does not give that type of strength. That God is not a source of strength and comfort and peace. That God does not make you more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Amen. That God will not protect you from demons. That God will not protect you from insanity. That God will not give you the strength to get you through anything. Amen? You either believe in God or you don't believe in God. You believe in His faithfulness, His strength, the joy and peace that comes from Him, or you don't. It's that simple. Amen? This is simple theology. Amen? But people are offended by the truth. Amen? Amen? You don't have to be paranoid about every person that pulls in your driveway if you believe in God's power of protection. Amen. And you wouldn't assume wrong about every person that talks to you in the grocery store of what their intent is. Be paranoid about everybody's intent if you knew God. If you had the peace that comes from God, this peace unspeakable, unimaginable, overflowing, peace, then you won't be paranoid by everybody and their intentions. A person that is paranoid by everybody's intention needs to get saved. It says in verse 29, they hated wisdom and did not choose the word of Jesus. We have to choose His words. Meaning, we have to choose to believe and accept what He says. And what He says is true, every word of God is truth, including where it says that He would give us peace unspeakable, including where it says that He should make us more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, including where it says that if we confess our sins, then he is faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness all unrighteousness there is no exception to that there is no exception to that he has healed and saved and delivered satan worshippers homosexuals sodomites murderers crooks thieves the man on the cross next to jesus and Anybody else, there is no sin too great, too big for God. Amen? He is the faithful. He is the amen. Look at chapter 2, Proverbs 2, verse 6. Proverbs 2, verse 6. For Jesus gives wisdom, and from his presence comes knowledge and understanding. Amen? He gives wisdom. We need to accept it. We have to choose it. We have to accept it. And knowledge and understanding. Amen. So we have to accept that. And be willing to grow in that. No matter what it is. Even when it convicts us of our sins. Even when it convicts us of false theology. Even when it convicts us of... Uh, our weaknesses and our faults and our transgressions we've got to be willing to accept correction even when pastor steps on our toes and calls our name out in public we've got to be willing to accept correction because we've got to have fear of the Lord and this fear should not be something that oppresses us but rather provokes us to repentance amen Look at chapter 12. Proverbs 12, verse 1. He that loves instruction loves sense. Now that word sense, we're going to have to change there. Robert, Verse twelve, chapter 12, verse 1. Sense, change that to knowledge. Loves knowledge. He that loves instruction loves knowledge. But he that hates reproofs or correction is a fool. Reproofs is another way of saying correction. So let's read that again. He that loves instruction, loves knowledge. That instruction can also be translated as discipline. That is another possible way of translating it. He that loves discipline or instruction, loves knowledge. But he that hates reproofs, or correction he's a fool another way of another way of translating fool is stupid he's stupid these are just different alternative translations they're all correct every word of every word of this is correct but there's different ways that you can say this different ways that you can translate it and they're all correct and they're all true that one word might help you understand it better than the other word so we've got to be willing to to accept the correction, the instruction, and the reproofs, we've got to be willing to choose and accept harsh criticism. Paul told Timothy to hug and kiss everybody and and, and, and suck on their toes and just kissy, kissy, kissy and make everybody just baby everybody up? No. It's not what Paul told Timothy to baby everybody up. No. But he told Timothy, the apostle Paul told Timothy to rebuke and to correct with love, yes. But it's in the spirit of love that we do use harsh, bold words. Even the Bible does call people fools, which can be translated as stupid. Same word. Just a different way of saying the same thing. We've got to be willing to accept discipline and rebuke and correction. Amen. And not be offended when we hear the truth. Time is short, and we ain't got time to sugarcoat everything and feed people baby food right now. We can't go back to the milk. But we need to get even keep growing in the truth. There's more truth, more revelations, more articles that are to be released. There's probably going to be more articles released, hopefully in the next two or three weeks. Are you ready for it? Are you ready for the next revelation? The next astounding, amazing, mind-blowing revelation. Are you ready for it? Buckle up. Buckle your seatbelts. Pray that you be willing and ready to accept the next steak. Nice, thick steak of this spiritual food. Amen. We're going to have to go to a steakhouse one day, Robert. Amen. Outback. Have to go all the way up Johnson City for it, but it'll be worth the drive and the price. Just one time. Spurge a little bit before we have to starve. <laughs> and look at chapter fifteen. Chapter fifteen, verse fourteen. Chapter 15, verse 14. An upright heart seeks discretion. but the mouth of the uninstructed will experience calamities. So let's read that again. The upright heart seeks discretion. That discretion could also be translated as knowledge. The mouth of the uninstructed, the uninstructed could also be translated as fools. And they were experienced calamities. And the calamities could also be translated as destruction, alternatively. So if you claim to have an upright heart, if you claim to be saved, then you will seek, thou says seek and you shall find. It seeks discretion or knowledge. Discretion is like determining one thing from another, determining right from wrong, seeking knowledge, seeking what's right, what is God's real will. If we're really saved, we're going to seek knowledge. We're going to seek the truth. We're going to seek it out. But the mouth of fools, those that are dumb, those that are uninstructed, those that are ignorant, they're going to experience calamities, destruction, vomiting, destruction, plagues, that's going to come upon this earth in the tribulation. They're going to have to learn the hard way. But we have to learn the hard way that the seventh day, meeting together, gathering together on the seventh day, is top priority on the seventh day. Not doing your own desires, your own will on His days, but serving God and putting Him first on His days day his appointment we have an appointment god set up an appointment for us god did set every one of you an appointment to be here on time on this day all at the same time to gather in one body one mind one soul one spirit one congregation worldwide he has an appointment he set you an appointment you should not be a no call no show and you should not be uh not showing up for this appointment. The Bible calls this an appointed time and we can only choose to accept or reject His commandments, His righteousness, seek or not seek. Amen. But those that reject they will suffer destruction. They will not be protected, no matter where they go. If they reject, obeying God and putting him first. Now the Bible promises that some people in Revelation 12, that some people will be protected in what the Bible calls a wilderness, a place of refuge, a place of safety. On earth places but it don't matter where you're going to be if you're disobedient to God It don't matter if you are in one of those places of safety there's going to be people that will fall in the wilderness die in the wilderness as they did in the first Exodus they crossed the Red Sea they had pastor Moses, Pastor Moses, as a true man of God, a true prophet of the Lord. And they still died in the wilderness. So don't be complacent that you think that just because you're going to go in there that you're going to survive. Because you won't if you stay stubborn and rebellious, not willing to grow. We've got to be willing to grow in the knowledge of the Lord. Look at chapter 18, and then we'll go to the New Testament. But let's go to Proverbs 18, Proverbs 18, verse 15. Chapter 18, verse 15. The heart of the sensible man pursues or obtains or pursues discretion, which again is knowledge, determining one thing from another, knowing what is right, knowledge. And the ears of the wise, they seek understanding. They seek understanding. So remember in the book of Revelation over and over, it says, Let him that has ears hear what the Spirit says to the church. So the ears of the wise seek. We should be willing to grow in the truth and seek it out. Seek out the truth. No matter what it may be, no matter what the result will be, no matter what we determine or learn what the truth will be, well, then you accept it. It may not be something you want to accept, but you accept it. Even if it does go against the grain of what mommy and daddy used to teach and what pastor so-and-so used to teach, that we are willing to accept instruction, correction, reproof, Whatever it may be, even if it offends us, even if it upsets us, even if it means a drastic change in our thinking. Amen. Because if we don't, we become complacent in thinking that we already know it all. That's not the right attitude. That is a bad attitude to think we already know it all. But that's what Babylon does. They think they already know it all, and you can't can't teach them the truth. You can show them Baba verse after baba verse after baba verse, and they reject it all. Because they already know it all. They're already rich and wealthy and have need of nothing. They don't have need of the truth. But it's not just Babylon. It's also people that are truly called in this life. That have that attitude. King James only people. Trinity people. And Sunday people. And Christmas people. And Halloween people. And people that won't give up their carnal birthday celebration. Because they don't want to stop worshipping themselves. Amen. And many, many, many other things. Now let's go over to the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 8. 2 Corinthians 8 I said earlier that don't be reading the newsletter during the sermon but there is one exception to that, is that the notes to today's sermon is in that newsletter. So if you want it to open that up real quick and, and, and get to this part of the notes, and just stick with the notes in that newsletter as we go through the sermon, that's okay. But just don't be reading the other parts of the newsletter. Don't be clicking on links and going to read the news and paying attention to CNN and Fox News and all that crap. If you want to open the newsletter and just follow along in the notes, that's fine. But please stay focused on the Sermon, the Word of God. We ain't got much longer to go here. So we're going to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 7. But just as you abound or increase... In everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge, and in all eagerness, and in the love we inspired in you to see that you abound in this gracious work also. So, Paul says to the Corinthian church, that town, that congregation, that he wants the people to increase and abound. Abound means increase, and really do well in that, to have a lot of it, to be rich in these things, in everything, in the faith. We should not be losing faith, we should not be decreasing in faith, but we should be abounding in faith, we should be increasing in faith as time goes, because God keeps proving to us His faithfulness, His goodness. Amen. And utterance and knowledge, we should be increasing in knowledge and, and, and be changing doctrines and because we're growing. If we're growing, then we will be changing doctrines. You can't grow without changing doctrines. You can't do it. And in all eagerness, we should be increasing in eagerness. We should be increasing in passion for him, amen. And in love and and abounding in gracious work. Amen. Mercy and grace and, and working and, and loving people, uh, desiring to see more people coming to the truth. Amen. Let's go over to Colossians two. Book of Colossians, chapter two. Page 214. Page 214 in the paperback copies of the New Testament. We'll be coming out with brand new updated paperbacks in February. And anybody that bought their own copies of previous copies. Previous updates, if you need help obtaining the new updated ones in February, if you cannot afford them, please let me know and I'll be glad to replace them for free if they're black and white copies. As far as the color copies, I can make a deal with you and provide you wholesale costs if you need that financial help in February to obtain these updated new editions. Uh, coming out in February, as we do the sermons every week, I tell you that it's better translated a certain way. That gets edited, and all those new edits will be in the new update in February, God willing. In February, in Colossians two, verse two and verse three, Colossians two, verse two, that their hearts may be encouraged having been knit together or built up together in love and obtaining to all the wealth that comes from all the full assurance. Not physical wealth, but spiritual measure. Spiritual wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding. In a true knowledge of Theo's mystery, that is, Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom, and under and knowledge amen and i say in verse four i say this that no one will delude you or deceive you with persuasive argument some of these whining people and sunday people and other deceivers workers of the devil sometimes they have persuasive arguments but your, your guard, as the Bible says, guard your mind, guard your heart, guard the truth, and hold fast to the truth, and let no man seize your crown. The protection is the presence of the Holy Ghost and your continued growth in the knowledge of the truth. Amen. That no one will be able to delude you, deceive you, pull you away from the truth because you know what the truth is because you've truly studied it you've prayed you've fasted if necessary Amen because there are people out there that will try to pull you away from the truth and they will use every persuasive argument to do it So, you've got to be well rooted in the truth. You cannot be well rooted in the truth unless you truly believe, truly believe God, His faithfulness, His truth, His strength, and rely upon Him and make Him your root and your foundation. Not your pastor, not your husband, not your wife. Not your best friend. Not your denomination. Not your religion. Not your King James Version. But God, Jesus Christ, your foundation, as I preached recently. That Jesus be your foundation, your chief cornerstone that will hold you together. He will hold you together. He's the cornerstone. He will hold you together. Amen. No matter what. No matter how difficult the storm. He will still hold you. If you got him. No matter how much that tornado and that hurricane. And that earth, earthquake shakes you. You shall not be moved. The Bible talks about that. Like a house built on a rock. Remember those three little pigs. And the wolf. The big bad wolf that blow your house down. You have to have your root deep through worship and study and prayer and praise and gratitude and thanksgiving that the devil will be able to shake your composure like the woman in Maccabees that witnessed seven sons men of God, ripped apart in front of her eyes, but she did not cry, she did not beg, she was not in fear, she was not shaken in her composure, but she was mighty in God, a great witness of what God can do in us, even in women. Men are to be strong, but even women can obtain strength in the Lord. And that woman did. None of her sons set forth a bad example, and neither did she. She had raised those men to be mighty in the Lord. Bold and strong men, real men, not wimps. All seven men died in honor, not in shame. Again, to you, that they will have great places in the kingdom. Those seven men and that woman, that mother, they will have great places in the kingdom. They will have... Much rewards, great rewards, many crystals. They will have many shiny, beautiful crystals. Amen. Their rooms, their mansions in Jerusalem will be grand, and their names will be written in stone. They're still written today for our testimony our witness those book of maccabees are important this time of year fiesta of of dedication coming up next week next seventh day one week away from today is eight days of dedication what better time of year to rededicate ourselves to the lord and to dedicate ourselves even deeper To to test our foundation. To test our root. That we are the temples of the Lord today. And we need to test our foundation and our root. Amen. And, And prepare for the storm to come. Because Ezekiel 38 promises us a storm to come upon this land. This should not be very, very, very distressful to us. This should be easy. This is all motivating. This is motivation from heaven. This should give us hope. This should give us strength. This should give us peace. The word of God is life. The word of God is not death. And His his commandments are not grievous and burdensome to us. These are words of life. Jesus is the word of God. And all of the word of God comes from his mouth, from his spirit, from his presence. Amen? God is good. His word is good. Paul was a murderer who had commanded the killings of many Christians. He fought against God. He kicked against God. He persecuted God. Jesus said, Why do you kick me? Why do you persecute me? Is what Jesus said to Saul. And God still saved him. Still. A man who had committed blasphemy against Jesus Christ, who had rejected God, who had rejected Jesus, who fought against Jesus, he, Paul was anti Christ. He did not accept Jesus as God at first. He was anti Christ. He was one of those men at one time in his life. He was one of those men that the Bible says we're not supposed to even welcome in our house, not even, uh, not even bid them Godspeed, not have anything to do with them. But God saved him. That shows how great his mercy, his love, his faithfulness is. And he loved us first before anybody else did. Paul was a a single man. We don't know of any time that he might have married, although he may have, we don't know. But he was single, at least, in some of his writings he encouraged other men to stay single so that they could work in the Lord and not be distracted by the women. But he also understood that it was the natural thing for a man to get married. And it is the natural thing for a man to get married and be with a woman. Men need that. But he also understood that the top priority in a man's life and in a woman's life, in anybody's life, is the first commandment and the ten commandments. That God is first and we are to have no other God before us. Not husband, not wife, not money, not house, not career, no person, no thing should be our foundation and our root, but only God. Psalm 23, that the Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want or need any other substance. He is our refuge. He is our high tower, our hope, our foundation, our root. He is everything to us. Amen. And we must be willing to accept His truth, His knowledge, and His direction in our life. His direction. About where we are to go. Not depending on our own knowledge and our own understanding and our own opinion about where we're going to go. Where we're going to flee. Got to be careful about that. Because if we go according to where we think we're to go, we're not going to end up in the right place. We have to wait. Wait on His direction. Wait on His direction about where you're going to go. But for some people, according to where on this earth you live, the common sense thing, which does belong to the Lord, common sense belongs to the Lord, amen, wisdom comes from the Lord, The common sense, the wise thing to do if you lived in America and perhaps certain other locations near the United States, the common sense, wise thing to do is go to where the apostle is. Go to where Moses is. Go to where Noah is. Go to where Joseph is. Go to where Paul is. Go to where the teacher is. That God has chosen. The Bible says, go to where he has put his name, his power, his authority. Amen. That would be the common sense thing. If you lived in this part of the world. Amen. People need to use wisdom. People need to use wisdom. Wisdom is common sense. Common sense. Come on now. I don't understand people. Do you, Robert... I don't think you understand. You say all the time, I don't understand people. You would think, you would think this room would be full. But they're not full because they are offended by reproof, by correction. They are offended by truth. And they won't be treated as babies. And I won't treat people as babies. I won't. Because this is a military. This is an army. This is boot camp. And this is what the people need. They need strong words. Amen. And also before I forget we're going to be ordaining Kiki, Sister Kiki in Australia as deaconess to the church. And this would be our first deaconess that we have had. And it's very much needed for the church to have a, a woman leading other women, and being an example to the entire church, both male and female, being a help, another laborer, because we could use all the help in laborers that we could get. And Sister Kiki has proven herself true and faithful to Jesus, to the truth, and to the work of God through the years. And she has, of course, embraced and accepted this calling, seeing the need, hearing the calling. And uh, I don't think that this is going to be a public, as far as I know right now, it's not going to be a public ceremony, but there will be a ceremony Friday, the day before the... the, uh, In this part of the world, it'll be Friday, but in Australia, where she's at, it will actually be the first day of the fiesta of dedication it will actually be the first day of Hanukkah that she will be dedicated uh, into this administration, administration of the church and there are new people that are coming there to fellowship with her and they need a leader and you know that we do not believe in women pastors but the Bible did have a woman deaconess that is in the Bible. That's in the Bible that Paul uh, told, instructed the church to respect and to follow the deaconess. And there was many, many women in the work of God in that time. In the writings of Paul, he mentioned many women who were workers in the church. Workers. They wasn't just sitting on the back road, keeping their mouth shut. No, they were working for God's kingdom and they were great assistance to Paul. Okay? And we need that. We need it. Whether it's male or female, we need all the workers that we can get. And with those new people there, they need her with administration authority. They need that. So you got to have leaders. In every part of the world, in every nation, you have to have leaders in every nation. And the Bible says that too. And we did ordain meekness as a deacon here all back too. So meekness in the nation of Zimbabwe is a deacon for his nation. Every nation needs a leader. We should not run from those uh, uh, callings. We should not run from... Uh, leading God's people. They need leaders. They need leaders. Leaders are not perfect. Oh man, I am not perfect. Leaders are not perfect. But people need leaders, even if we're not perfect. Just somebody. To teach them. Just somebody to direct them in the truth. Just somebody to point the way. That's all. Somebody to point the way. To share the truth with them. And to pass along the messages from the higher administration. And that is the proper structure of the church. Amen. Now it says here in Colossians 2, verse 2, we're going to read that again, that your hearts may be encouraged. This should not make you more depressed, more miserable, but be encouraged, this word of God. These are words of life. Having been knit together, each one of us, we should be knit together. Every one of us should be knit together as a family, which is, I've said again, Not just working, but getting to know one another as brothers and sisters. I want everybody that listens to these sermons to be calling me and emailing me and communicating with me on a regular basis. Letting me know what's going on in your life. With your husband, with your children, with your wife, with your family, with your evangelism. What's going on? Are you getting the flyers out there? I need to hear from you. We need to be knit together, elbow to elbow to elbow. We need to be knit together in love and obtaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of the understanding and the true knowledge of theos mystery. True knowledge of Christ, in whom all things hidden, all the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge, they're hidden. But if we seek them, we can find hidden knowledge if we seek. And God wants us to do this, Paul said. Now let's go over to 1 Timothy, because we're going to skip the 1 Thessalonians 5, because you know what 1 Thessalonians 5 says, to prove all things. So we'll skip that, and we'll go to 1 Timothy 2. 1 Timothy 2, verse 4. 1 Timothy 2, verse 4. Who desires all mankind to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Jesus Christ, God, wants every person to be saved. He's not willing for anyone to perish. It don't matter what your sins have been. It doesn't matter who who you have treated wrong. It doesn't matter who you have murdered. Who you have stabbed in the back. It doesn't matter how much things you have stowed in in the store. It doesn't matter how many people you have had sex with. It doesn't matter what you have said, what you have done, what you have thought. It doesn't matter. The Bible is full and overflowing of examples, of witnesses, of God saving lost people. (laughs) He didn't come to save the righteous. He came to save the lost. Who needs a doctor but the sick? Not the ones that are well. Come on now. God is the great physician. He came to heal the sick. Amen. God performed the surgery on the man and took part of his body to create the woman. He is the first and the greatest doctor. and He's not willing for anyone to perish, no matter what your sins are. He wants everyone saved, and many, 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 many people will be saved, not just few. He desires all mankind to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. But we got to seek it, we got to want it, and we got to choose to accept it, no matter what it is. If it's true, if it is true, and we're to prove. All things, all spiritual things, all spiritual things. Prove it about whether it's right whether it's wrong. As the Bible says about the uh, Berenians, however that's pronounced, that they studied the scriptures daily to see if these things were true. Amen. And then, turn the page to Peter 1. Second Peter one, two Peter, chapter one, verses five and six. Second Peter, chapter one, verse five and six. Verse five. Now this for this very reason also apply in all diligence in your faith supply moral ecclesiastes and in moral ecclesiastes add also the knowledge, and in knowledge add the self-control, and the self-control, perseverance and perseverance godliness, and in godliness brotherly kindness, and in brotherly kindness love. And in these are years and are increased they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ for he who lacks these is blind or short-sighted having forgotten his purification from his former sins we should not forget that God is a savior Amen. He is the Savior. Amen. And we are to be increasing in these things. And it started out in verse 5 with diligence. We have to be diligent. That means careful. That means guarding your heart, guarding your mind, being diligent, being careful, and be an absolute to get things done. Needing to be passionate and zealous, to be hot on fire, not just lukewarm, but hot on fire for the Lord. Amen. That is what it's going to take to get through the trials, the tribulations, the difficult moments. We have to push our way through that crowd of men and say, I'm going to touch the Lord, no matter what, no matter who stands in my way. I'm not going to let any person, anything, any trial, any obstacle, any sickness, anything stand in my way from touching God and being made whole. You have to get a made-up mind that you're going to do this. You have to get a made-up mind that you want God. He wants you. He loved you first. He wants you. There's no question to that. He wants you. He's not willing for anyone to perish. But for everyone. He died for you. He didn't just die only for other people but for you too. He died for every one of us. He know every one of us. He created every one of us. Our names were written even before Adam and Eve was created. He wrote down our names. He knew us before we was born. Come on. God is great. Amen. God is not weak. He's not no little man. God is strong. God is great. Amen. Praise the Lord. We need to be increasing in faith, increasing in knowledge, increasing in diligence, perseverance, and godliness. Amen. So that we will not be unfruitful. We should not lack these things, but be increasing these things. And it's never too late until the lake of fire. It's not too late until the lake of fire. But who would want to wait until just one year before the lake of fire? Who would want to wait until the final year of the hundred years? Come on now. Because we have our own tribulation coming up here soon. We have the the great tribulation coming up soon who wouldn't want to obtain the perfection in Jesus Christ as soon as possible? Because we need God, we need a savior. Amen. We need strength and we need it now. Not yesterday, but now. Amen. God is good. And let us go to one last verse over in Revelation 13. Revelation 13 verse 18. Revelation 13 verse 18. The last verse of the chapter of Revelation 13. This is the chapter dealing with the mark of the beast. This is the verse dealing with 666 as people call it. And most people think this is a microchip or a credit card or a tattoo or some kind of money, some kind of currency, cashless currency, all kinds of people, different opinions and interpretations. As I said earlier, we have no right to our own opinion. We only choose to believe the truth or reject the truth. And we must be willing to accept the truth no matter what it is, even if it goes against the grain of traditional teachings, even if it goes against the grain of what mommy and daddy said and what Pastor Joe said, whatever the truth is, we've got to be willing to grow in the knowledge of the truth. And it says here in Revelation 13, verse 18, and this is in the Alpha and Omega Bible translation, the most accurate English Bible-owned earth because it is a restoration of the original scriptures. It says, here is wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is knowledge. Amen. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding determine the multitude of the wild beast. Let's slow down because there are new listeners. Now, most translations Just say the word beast. This is in the number of the beast. But the correct translation is wild beast. Okay? And most translations have the word number here. Number. 666. But the word number in the Bible, in the original writings in Greek, every time that it was used... That particular Greek word, every time it was used in the New Testament, it always referred to a multitude of people, or a crowd, a group of people, always, every time without exception. So if you use that particular Greek word and keep it in context of how it is used in the New Testament. And if you compare other Greek words in the same verse, it all confirms that it's talking about not a number like number one, two, three, four, five. But rather it's talking about a group of people, a multitude, a crowd of people. Because that's how it's used throughout scripture. So it's a multitude of the wild beast, a crowd of people that follow the Antichrist. And then it says the multitude of mankind. All the other translations says it is the number of a man. But if you look at the Greek word of what John actually wrote, he did not use, he did not use the Greek word for a male, a man. But rather he used the Greek word for humanity. It's not talking about the number of just one man, although there will be a one man son of perdition. But he was not talking about a number, a one, two, three, Of one man. But rather the Greek word is referring to humanity. It is a group of people. It is three groups of people. Who follow the Antichrist. So let's start over. It says here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding. Who has knowledge. Determine the multitude. Find out. Learn. The multitude. The crowd of people." of the wild beasts, the multitude of mankind. And his multitudes are the Nazis, the Muslims, and the communists. How come I didn't say 666? Because in that time and that day, in that generation that John walked on the earth and he wrote this book of Revelation, there was no such thing as what we see today. As the numbers 666, 6, 6, because your numbers that we know today as 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and 0, those numeral characters did not even exist in John's lifetime. Of course, there were numbers, but not like we see today as you would see it written as the number 6. And if he had saw the number 6, Three times, 666, then he would not have written it in the way that he wrote it, because he would not have seen the number 666. Because if he did see 666, he would not know how to write it. Okay, so for example, John was seeing a vision of the end time. He saw a vision of our time, our time. So if he had saw a vision of our time, which he did, and if he had saw 666, he would not know how to draw it, he would not know how to write it, because he wouldn't even know what it was, because he would never have even seen the number six in the numbers that we use today. And the only thing he could have done would be only to draw, try his best to make that character of a six the way we see it today and to draw But he didn't do that. We have absolutely no agent manuscript ever, ever in all of archaeological discoveries. We have no manuscript showing the number six because that's not what he saw. That's not what he saw. What he saw was the Nazi flag, the Nazi sticker, And the name Allah, and I can prove this, I have proven this, I provide you the undeniable, unrefutable, solid proof on the ministry website and in the copy of Alpha and Omega Bible. He saw the name Allah, and he saw the third symbol, the third six, he saw the commonest symbol of the sickle and the hammer and the star. That's what he drew. In the agent manuscript of the oldest New Testament manuscript that we have, this is what what he drew of what was what the uh, the uh, the person, the scribe that made the copies. This was what was drawn of what John drew, so it was. Something that we would recognize today, and I'm sure that probably he didn't understand all of it when he drew it, but he drew what he saw, and we recognize these symbols today, and it makes sense, and it connects perfectly with chapter 6 of the book of Revelation, which confirms scripture because the Bible confirms itself, and proves itself, and explains itself, and interprets itself. So all these different people have in their own interpretations and their own opinions, that cannot be supported with other scripture. But this can. This can. And is supported with other scripture. Because if you look at the four horsemen in chapter 6, it's talking about Nazism. It's talking about communism. It's talking about uh, Islam in different terms. But if you think spiritually, and if you study, and if you seek, and if you're willing to grow in wisdom, if you're willing to grow in understanding, if you're willing to grow in the knowledge of the truth, even if it goes against the grain of what everybody else says, then you will gain understanding, you will gain wisdom, you will gain spiritual knowledge, you will gain Prophecy, understanding of prophecy, your eyes will be warped if you're willing to grow in the truth and not and not have the attitude of the Laodiceans of, well, I already, I already know the truth. I, I don't need no other truth. I don't need no better understanding because I already know everything. We should not have that Laodicean attitude and be willing to grow in what the truth really is, what the truth really is. So we only was able to come to this understanding only by being willing to look at what the Greek words, what they really are, regardless of what Pastor Joe says. What does the Bible really say? What did John really draw? Amen. And going beyond even strong succorents. Because strong succorents is not perfect. Lo and behold, Jesus Christ did not write John's succorents. The Apostle Paul did not write Strong's Cochorance. So Strong's Corinth is not the Word of God. Strong's Cochorance is not Scripture. You've got to look beyond Strong's Cochorance. And even second guess, Strong's Cochorance. You've got to be able to grow even, even beyond the knowledge of what they had in the 1800s. Come on, that book is over 100 years old. They did not understand the Hebrew and the Greek and Aramatic in the 1800s as much as what they understand it today. That is an old antique book that is beyond, uh, that is not really caught up with our current understanding. Amen. We have to be willing to grow in the knowledge of the truth. Hey Moses, that joined us. Glad to see you. Unfortunately, we've come to the end of the sermon, but this is recorded and will be uploaded into the show reel, the broadcast archives there on Mixler, as well as on SoundCloud and TalkShoe and different places that all of this will be recorded and archived, and you can listen to the sermon right from the beginning, and I encourage you to do that if you came in late, listen to the sermon right from the beginning. It'll take a few minutes for it to get uploaded into the archives. But I do encourage you to check back maybe in about 30 minutes or an hour and look into the archives and, and, and listen right from the start to this sermon brought to you by ministries.com I do invite everybody to come back next week. And every Saturday we are here live for worship services. Every Saturday... And we begin the broadcast at uh, about five minutes to two o'clock in the afternoon, Eastern time. We are in the Eastern time zone over here. And we start at two o'clock in the afternoon, every Saturday at two o'clock Eastern time. Try to figure out what that is in your time zone and try to tune in next week. Listen to us and we encourage you to read the Bible with your own eyes and study and study diligently with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul. Seeking with a passion, with zeal of what the truth really is. I'm not asking anybody to blindly believe everything I say. But rather take what I say in prayer, if necessary fasting. Father study. Father examination. Prove all things as 1 Thessalonians 5 says. And dig deeper. Be willing to grow in the truth. Amen? Uh, Next week is the Fiesta of Dedication. So we got uh, just six more days to uh, finish getting your candles, uh, whatever you're going to use, battery-operated candles, uh, plug-in candles, real candles, whatever you're going to use Uh, according to your particular situation of what you can use there at your place. Seven candles for eight days and you can shine just one candle on the first night and then two candles on the second night and so forth or you can burn all seven candles the whole time. And uh, we'll be willing to grow in the truth about that too, about what God really wants. But for now, that's what I'm saying because I think Actually, in God's will, in God's liberty, I think either one of those would be fine and acceptable. And um, I'll try to get out some more articles, try to get the Bible done. I need your prayers. Oh, my God, I need your prayers. Please, please, I beseech you. I beg every one of you to pray for my strength, pray for my wife, pray for this ministry. And if you're not yet signed up for the newsletter, please do that on the bottom of the page. Uh, On the website, on the bottom of every page, it would give you an invitation link to subscribe to the newsletter so that you can stay up to date on events, what's going on in the world as it relates to Bible prophecy, changes in schedule, any updates, any breaking news, you'll be uh, updated. This is going to be a new, improved newsletter. Amen. Let me think, see if there's anything else I'm forgetting. Pray for Kiki. We'll be ordaining her as deaconess on Friday. And as the Bible tells us to be doing. And um, pray for the new people in Australia. Do your own part. Uh, I do encourage people to have a special meal sometime during the fiesta of dedication. Uh, I think the most po- most appropriate time to be have that special meal would be on the first day of dedication. Um, I understand that different people of different finances might not can afford as much as other people. But just do whatever you can do to have something special that day, to make it special, to make it stand out apart from other days of the week, to make it a special holy day to the Lord. Be thinking about your own dedication to God during the fiesta of dedication. And this year it has special meaning more than any other previous year because we came to that recent increased comprehension that we are liars. That we are children of God. That as difficult as it might be to accept. The Bible says in two times that we are gods. That doesn't mean that we are the God. We are not the God. There's a difference. That we are gods just means that we're spirit kings. That we have power. That we have authority. And that we're going to rule the universe under Jesus Christ. That's all that means. That's not that difficult if you think it out. It's only difficult because it goes against the grain of traditional teachings. But it is what the Apostle Armstrong did teach. He had that right. And I know that Apostle Armstrong had a lot wrong too. But he lived in the 80s and it was not yet the time for all of the truth to be revealed. Because much of the truth was reserved until uh, now. Amen. Fiesta of Dedication. If anybody has any questions, please first read that article. That is part 2, I Saw the Light Ministries, part 2 dot, I Saw the Light Ministries dot com, slash Hanukkah dot html and it's all small letters. Okay? So don't do a capital H for Hanukkah. Part two. I saw the light ministries. dot com slash Hanukkah. dot html, and if you can't find it, there's a search button on the bottom of every page on the website. Just search for Hanukkah. That easy, and you'll find it. Amen. It's easy. Come on, seek and you'll find. Don't be lazy. Come on, seek it out, and read that article first. Pray about it, and read the scriptures first before you call Pastor Tim because I'm not your God, and I'm not Jesus Christ, okay? only thing I can do is point you to the Scriptures. So read the Scriptures first, and then if you still need help, I'll be glad to point you to the truth, okay? And I'm here, if you need me, to point you to the truth. And we will also be having special services on the 27th because that would be the first day of the 10th month. December the 27th, the first day of the 10th month in God's calendar. So we have special services that morning at 7 in the morning. And now, now listen to me. I have a very hard time getting up that early. And if I can do it, you can do it. Okay? And Sister Kiki and AJ, they listen to these services live at like something like 4 o'clock in the morning. 3, 4, 5 o'clock in the morning. If they can do it, you can do it. Come on now. We need to gather together at the same time. Be one family, one mind in Jesus Christ. There is power in that. There is power in His people all across the world gathering at the same. There is power in that. Amen. Let's hold one another's hands, and let's be family, and let's work together, okay? Alright, praise the Lord. I'll let you go. I know you're hungry, and I'm going to start thinking about burritos, I think, or something here. We'll figure it out, but praise the Lord. All this in Jesus' name. God bless every one of you. Thanks for joining us. And the whole congregation says amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. And there goes my computer (laughs) just at that time. So goodbye. What is going on? Oh, it's the screensaver. That's what it is.